Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Thank you so much for joining us. Also, thank you to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network for letting me do this. Um, Happy Black Friday if you participate in that. And uh, hey, speaking of happy, it would make me happy. It would make us very happy as a network if you would uh, just pause for a second and give us a five-star rating, then write a written review. Now, the five-star rating obviously helps us get our content out to more people. The written review tells us what content you want, and if you take a screenshot of both, you can then send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete will give you the coveted Heartland College Sports koozie. Okay, so let's talk about what's coming up this week on the show. First and foremost, uh, i got to say I'm sorry about getting this out to you a little bit late because I know it's a short week and you're trying to cram a lot in. But hey, maybe you can listen to this on the way to the in-laws or your parents. Maybe you've got a long drive. Uh, We'll only take up about 20 minutes of your time, and maybe you'll feel a little bit better informed, or actually you'll be a little bit better informed about the uh, TCU and OU game coming up. So obviously we'll break that down, and we'll give you a couple of players to watch. We'll tell you what might concern Brent Venables, about this game coming up on Friday. Also, we will try and solve OU's kicking problem. Ah, hell, who are we kidding? That thing is unsolvable. We'll tell you why it's unsolvable. And, of course, we'll take a look at what happens if Jackson Arnold has to start because Dylan Gabriel is available. But what exactly does that mean? And that's a great place. Look, that is as great a place as any to have a jumping-off point which is Dylan Gabriel getting hurt last week against TCU, seemingly has a head injury, although I don't think OU has said anything about him or Jaleel Farouk and that being official. But both of them seem to suffer head injuries this past Saturday against Brigham Young, which means that they're in concussion protocol. Again, OU hasn't said anything officially, but come on, we can all put two and two together. And concussion protocol... Could take a while for these guys to come out of. Now, Brent Venable says that both of them will be available if they continue to progress. So, A, they've got to continue to progress. And, B, what does available mean? Does available mean that they're going to start? Or does available mean that they're there? And if you need to use them, you'll go ahead and throw them in. It seems to me that when you've got two guys suffering from from concussion, the best thing to do is is be cautious. Be very cautious. In fact, you don't want to you don't want to send a guy out with a concussion and get him hurt any worse than than what he is. And there's some upside to this for me because on one hand, I think we've all kind of concluded that Jackson Arnold is going to start next year for Oklahoma. Now, theoretically, because you have pulled him out of the red shirt this season, theoretically, if Dylan Gabriel came back next year and played and Jackson Arnold only played in four games or didn't play in any, you could use that as his red shirt year because you do have four to play five. But I don't see that being the I don't see that being the thing that's going to happen. I think if Dylan Gabriel comes back next year, he's going to have to compete for the job with Jackson Arnold. And from what I've seen, Jackson Arnold runs a little bit better than Dylan Gabriel little bit more accurate than Dylan Gabriel. Arm strength, I'm going to call arm strength a toss-up because Dylan Gabriel's got a lot more arm strength 
than I've ever given him credit for. Although, of the two, and this is what excites me about Jackson Arnold, is we have not even remotely approached the limit as to what Jackson Arnold could or couldn't be. With Dylan Gabriel, we've seen his limitations. Okay, we've seen what Dylan Gabriel can and cannot do as a quarterback. One thing we know he will always do is either overthrow or underthrow his receivers. Great arm strength, but that has a tendency uh, to be a problem. Uh, When he moves around in the pocket, if you watch him with his feet, there are times it'll do some things with his feet that give the defense an opportunity to kind of figure out what's going on, and that usually ends up leading to Dylan Gabriel throwing interceptions. And that's not saying that Jackson Arnold would be infallible. It just tells you that that's what kind of quarterback that Dylan Gabriel is. And those things this late in your career most likely aren't going to improve. So what if Jackson Arnold has to start? Well, I think when you look at what he did last week, the numbers weren't really, the numbers weren't bad. It wasn't anything that's going to stand out and, you know, just jump right out at you as far as, how he performed last week, but for the most part, he was asked to give the ball to to Gavin Sawchuck, and he took over the game, and because OU was able to to run the ball for a good solid five minutes, they were able to drain the clock, and OU was able to escape Provo with a win. However, let's not forget, you know, we mentioned Jaleel Farouk. It was Jackson Arnold who hit Jaleel Farouk with a pass to essentially wrap the game up. OU got that first down and then called it good. So I I have faith in Jackson Arnold. I think this kid is going to be fantastic once he gets the opportunity to start on more of a regular basis. And as far as OU is concerned, they've got confidence in him. And one of the reasons they do, and I'm going to let Brenton Venables explain this, is that Jeff Levy will give the one and the two quarterback the same amount of reps during practice. That's not that's not a normal. Because most of the time, you want to give it to that first quarterback. You want to get him as many reps as possible to have him prepared. But that's not how Jeff Lebby chose to approach this. And whether he did that last year or not, it's hard to say. I would think not, because I don't think anybody wanted Davis Bevel or uh, General Booty to be playing quarterback. But that's how he's handled it this year. And I think part of that is probably because you don't want to lose Jackson Arnold and you want to keep giving him hope that this kid is going to play. But with that in mind... It feels like OU is, well, they're they're not just comfortable, they're confident, as I said, on putting Jackson Arnold out there and letting him have the start this week versus the Horned Frogs. Brent, if Jackson does have to be the guy on Saturday, how, how important is he gets this week where you guys can game plan for him and he gets the week as the guy? How important is that for him? I think, you know, Jeff does a good job of when Jackson gets, you know, they're getting the first and second team guy are getting virtually the same amount of reps. And so, um, you know, the things that we're asking him to do, he's good at. You know, we don't have to, you know, okay, now Jackson's in, let's do this. You know, you're, uh, there are some things that maybe he might 
be good at. But you're, I mean, the game plan is going to be the game plan based on the things that you're going to see from an opponent. So, uh, and then the things that we do every single week. So, that's important that he has those things down. You know, so we can go execute. You know, the offense and and still take advantage of his best skill sets. But uh, you know, I think him and Dylan are very very similar in many many ways. I don't think okay, well this guy's a runner and this guy's a thrower. This can't you know he can't throw. But this guy can throw. We don't have that problem with those two guys. Which makes it a lot easier to have that transition. And not everybody in college football is lucky enough to have that right now because of the transfer portal. Guys come in, they want to play immediately. They're not patient enough to sit behind the guy who is going to be the starter. And they decide they're going to go someplace else. Or they get bumped down to third string instead of second string. And they see that they're going to have to work a little harder. And then they leave. Jackson Arnold hasn't done that. Of course, I believe they have told Jackson Arnold he's going to start next year. And if they haven't made him that promise, it's going to be painfully obvious by the end of the spring that at worst, it's a competition between him and Dylan Gabriel. But for Jeff Levy, it's it's good to have a guy that pretty much can, can be a Dylan Gabriel clone, if not better. That way, your play calling doesn't have to change and you can stay in your comfort zone. And I got to give it to Jeff Levy because I did not think he had it in him to have OU do what they did against BYU and run the ball as successfully as they did late. Because with him being a spread guy, air raid, whatever the hell you want to call it, those guys itch to make the big play. And the fact that he was able to be patient says a lot about him. I think it also says a lot about Brent Venables not exactly giving Jeff Levy autonomy with the offense. Brent Venables is the is the head coach. And if Brent Venables wants something done, he can get it done. And I'd like to think that what Brent Venables did was tell Jeff Levy to run the ball. And that's exactly what OU did against BYU this past Saturday. Now, one thing that has to get fixed before Oklahoma takes on TCU is the kicking game. All right, who are we kidding? The the kicking game is not getting fixed. You have Zach Schmidt. Schmidt. Zach Schmidt. That's who you have. All right, now you could go with Gavin Marshall, who is the redshirt freshman and is two for two on extra points this year, but you're stuck with Zach Schmidt. And yes, that sucks. And I don't want to be hard on the kid because doing anything under pressure is hard, especially kicking a football when you're talking about field goals. And especially when you've missed five out of your last nine, you know you are in your own head. And that's a problem for Zach Schmidt. But what can you do? You've got a a red shirt freshman. You've got a walk on as the guy that can possibly back him up. All you can really do is just kind of roll him out there and hope that he's better than what he has been. Hopefully he will make that 51-yard field goal if you ask him to, like he didn't against Oklahoma State, or the 28-yarder that he missed against BYU. By the way, OU, they've lost two games by a total of eight points. Eight points, which is a touchdown and a two-point conversion. But if Zach Schmidt just makes three field goals, three field goals in the Oklahoma State in the Kansas game, OU's undefeated right now. We're still talking college football playoff. Uh, We'll get to the scenarios for the Big 12 championship coming up here in just a second. But as far as Zach Schmidt goes, I think we're all kind of looking to Brent Venables for miracle answers. And quite frankly, him nor any other coach in America would have one. 
Uh, yeah, Brent, uh, another missed field goal on Saturday. What happened with that, and why do you think that unit's maybe been just inconsistent at times this year? Is it one thing, or is it multiple things that have gone wrong? Yeah, we got to get a little better with our um, confidence and our fundamentals uh, at kicking. You know, we've been too inconsistent there. And, um, you know, right now, again, we, we, we kick multiple guys uh, in practice. And, uh, you know, Zach's, Zach's been our most consistent. So, you know, just like a, a quarterback, if a quarterback's lacking accuracy, he's just got to get better. You know, you got to throw it on time. You know, sometimes it's an instinctual, instinctual thing for a quarterback. Sometimes it's a, you know, it's a mechanics thing. And uh, we just got to get better. Has Gavin um, Marshall been a part of that at all? And, and um, he has. He's been hurt most of the year, unavailable. <laughs> there you go. Guys hurt, unavailable, not going to happen. <laughs> he just, that's it. Hey, this is who we have. That's what Brent Finnables was saying. This is who we got. Take it or leave it. Uh, you just know that any time that he runs out on the field, it's going to be an absolute adventure. All right, we're rolling the dice every time. Don't you want a little excitement in your football? Okay, well, maybe not that much excitement, uh, but but here it is. Okay, Zach Schmidt for your uh, viewing pleasure and or your uh, or your ulcers. I mean, whatever it gives you. I mean, you look at it two ways. One, it's either exciting or two, it gives you ulcers. I'm erring on the fact that it probably gives you ulcers, and I just hope the guy when called on to make a field goal this week is actually able to to put it through the uprights. Now, the defense this past week, the, the defense this week has actually got their hands full with TCU. Um, I, I say that, one, because they've got a freshman quarterback who has started five games. You know, ever since Chandler Morris went out with that sprained MCL, um, they've thrown Hoover in there. They've thrown, they've thrown this kid Hoover in there. Josh Hoover's his name. And all this guy has done is help TCU beat Brigham Young 44-11, to and then they go out and they skunk Baylor this past weekend. Now, granted, they lost three games in between there, but this guy can throw the ball around, and he's certainly got some targets that he can't miss. They've got size, they've got athleticism, and I think what we've seen from OU over the past couple of weeks with the defense, that is going to concern you a little bit. And you know what? We're, we're going to hear Brent Venables tell you a little bit right here about the TCU offense. Then I'll go a little bit more in depth. Yeah, this is going to test us in every way. Um, quarterback's playing fantastic. Again, two 400-plus yard games, too. I think he's thrown for uh, nine touchdowns and uh, just been fantastic, you know, averaging, uh, you know, 350-plus yards a game. He's He's been fantastic. So they've done a great job. Receivers, they got really good receivers. Their running game's been good, uh, which gives them opportunity to tie in six foot seven. Uh, got a big six five receiver uh, as well. And, um uh, you know, uh, really like Bailey and how he's running downhill and he's very explosive. Uh, he's a home run hitter uh, as well. They're blocking up front good and protecting the quarterback well. He's making really good decisions. They're putting him in a position to be successful. Uh, so, um, you know, the tight end's great. Three's great. You know, they've, uh, they're, again, that's a team that um, they've done a good job, you know. Uh, you know, with a group of guys they have, and they turned over a lot of guys. They're, you know, having tremendous, tremendous, you know, production. Uh, I think three had 11 catches against Texas a couple weeks ago. And uh, so um, they've got really, really good players. 
Okay, the three he's talking about is a guy by the name of Savion Williams, who is a big 6'5 receiver. Uh, Savion Williams, 6'5", 225, junior. Uh, You've got J.P. Richardson, who's an inside receiver, who helped light up Baylor last week, although I don't suspect that he'll have as good a game against OU this week. Jared Wiley, the 6'7", tied in, is the one the one that absolutely scares me. 6'5", six, 6'7", six, those guys are going to be hard to cover. Again, with OU, the, I mean, the best way to do this is get pressure on the quarterback, rattle the kid. He's still a freshman, even though he's got five games under his belt and played really well in Chandler Morris's absence, he's still a freshman. So if you can get Trace Ford, if you can get Bathroy, you can get Downs coming off the edge, you can send some blitzes. Uh, whether it's Canick in there at linebacker, obviously Stutzman, uh, you know, Kip Lewis. You just send these guys and rush. And I don't, ru- I don't rush three. I don't rush three all day long against TCU. I put as many guys out there as I possibly can to take this kid down, get in his head, and hopefully he starts to make some mistakes and gives a guy like Billy Bowman an opportunity to be opportunistic and take another one to the house. But that's how you're going to defeat TCU is be physical, rush the passer, and don't let him get going. Because once he gets going with those big targets, OU could be in trouble. And as we've seen with OU, they have a tendency to, to, to play nail biters. They're, they're such a maddening – OU has been such a maddening team since the Texas game. You play down to UCF, have a nail biter with them, Lose to Kansas and Oklahoma State, teams that you know you feel like you're better than. You go and blow the doors off West Virginia, who had been playing good up until then. And then you get a BYU team who's fighting for a ball berth. And they just crack, scratch, and claw and fight. And it's kind of the same thing you're facing this week is a TCU team who's coming off an appearance in a national championship game who is 5-6 and six at this point. They need this game. They need this game for a bowl berth. All you have to do is go out and win, and you've got an opportunity to play in the Big 12 championship. They've got to win for a bowl berth. So expect them to bring everything they've got in this game. And speaking of the Big 12 championship, probably should have led with this. It's very simple. Because I, I, I feel by the time you've listened to this, you know the scenarios, but just in case you don't, OU either needs Texas or Oklahoma State to lose. It's it's that simple. Texas loses, OU's in. Oklahoma State loses, OU's in. And I think what most OU fans are rooting for is is Texas to lose because there there is this unsettling feeling about not winning that last Bedlam game and wanting an opportunity to right that wrong to get the opportunity to play Oklahoma State twice like you did Texas a couple of years ago and beat them in the second go-around for the Big 12, for the last Big 12 championship you will play for as Oklahoma. You know, So I would think that that's what you want is somehow is Texas to lose. Is Texas to lose on Friday to Texas Tech? Uh, personally, I don't see anybody lose. I think it'll end up being OSU and and Texas in the Big 12 championship, but I'm like you, I'm hoping for a rematch of Bedlam. At least that's what I'm hoping for. And finally, I thought I'd leave you with this nugget. Um, It hadn't been going so well for Lincoln Riley out of Los Angeles, has it? In fact, he's on the hot seat. Uh, People are starting to learn 
that you cannot win consistently against physical defenses when you are a finesse team. And people are starting to learn that if you're going to be a head coach, you've got to be just invested in not just what your specialty is, which, you know, Britt Venable's case, it's defense, and Lincoln Riley's case, it's offense. But you also have to be invested in the other two areas of the game. It's three phases for a reason. you got to be invested in all of them. Lincoln Riley has not been at any point in his career. Who knows? Maybe it's changed. But what's very funny is all the Lincoln Riley believers, especially Colin Cowherd, are jumping off the bandwagon. Colin Cowherd's, in fact, jumping off the bandwagon that you need to hire an offensive guru to run your college football program. But I thought I'd leave you with this. I think you'll get a kick out of what Paul Feinbaum had to say this week. I don't know when I've seen a worse coaching job by anyone than Lincoln Riley this year. It's a complete disaster. And quite frankly, uh, he ought to, he ought to pack up. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see what his path is moving forward. He, he blamed everything on Alex Grinch. They, they haven't been any better. They've been worse. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe Lincoln, you ought to look in the mirror. Maybe you're just a total fraud as a coach. Maybe you just lived off of a couple of Heisman candidate, uh, Heisman winners, uh, and 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 what what Oklahoma did for you, and all the people in Oklahoma who were heartbroken uh, two years ago and who never thought they'd get over that uh, that that blow off, get it, it, they're over it now because uh, Lincoln Riley is not is nowhere near the coach that we all collectively tried to make him out to be. And maybe someday I'll get credit for being two years ahead of Paul Feinbaum, Colin Cowherd, and everybody else. Most likely not, but it still feels pretty good. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening after Thanksgiving and you're on your way down to Norman, be safe, man. Traffic sucks, but be safe. Want to see you back safe and sound next week when we talk about OU going to the Big 12 championship or we talk about them getting ready for their upcoming bowl game. Until then, may God bless you and your families. The great Jackie Moon always says everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.